0: Welcome to another edition of the Southwest Climate Podcast, the mid-monthly edition, the mini pod, the mini pod. the, the mini pod uh, because it's the monsoon season and you know I think the recurrence interval of these podcasts has to has to increase because there's so much interesting going on. And I things are supposed
1: to get bigger when it got more humid. Like your hair <laughs> is supposed to get longer and I feel puffier in general, just when it gets more humid. So, uh,
0: that's Mike Crimmins, for those of you who are just uh, <laughs> tuning in again. And I'm I'm Zach Guido, and thanks for everybody tuning in to this edition. I'd like to say that this is probably our last podcast in the Penthouse clemus Studios. Gonna miss it. Yeah, we're moving buildings. We're it. all pretty excited about that. We may actually get our own uh, own closet. At least a closet size. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, okay, Mike. So we're here to make a little clarity out of this monsoon madness you know put some put some context to what's yep. going on 30
1: days officially 30 days into the monsoon madness
0: 30 days officially but probably more like 3 weeks so we're going to do that we're going to we're going to look back over the last 3 weeks or actually a month and we'll talk about how the monsoon has evolved, and uh, we'll answer those texts as they're coming in and live. So, uh, so thanks for that.
1: Mike. <laughs> exactly. I'm texting us just to to keep the traffic up.
0: You know, we want to. We also want to go into a little bit of the the monsoon uh, ingredients and and talk about the the complicated monsoon soup because there's a whole bunch of nuances to to this that leads each week to be a slightly different uh, flavor. So we'll do yeah. that, and then we'll we'll look at some of the the factors that may influence the monsoon for the for the rest of the season. I'll start, Mike, and then I'm going to turn it over to you to give a, a, a recap of how we've got to where we are. But I just wanted to um, briefly go over sort of the, the broad scale statistics here. And if you look at the last month, more or less the eastern third of Arizona has experienced above average precipitation, with some of the higher the higher values falling in the the, the higher elevations, which is expected because the topographic influence is one of the key ingredients to the to the monsoon. If you look at New Mexico, Mex- New Mexico's pretty, been really interesting as well. Virtually the western two-thirds of the state has experienced above-average precipitation uh, with some values you
1: know, on the order of 300% of average. Just jumping in here, 90% of New Mexico is at least having average or above-average precipitations. So there's just a sliver of the state that has seen below-average precip so far this monsoon season.
0: In Arizona isn't as high as that, somewhere in the, the vicinity of, of what, 60, 60, no, 55% of the yeah, state. Yeah, about,
1: ha, about half so far.
0: Nearly 30, 35% of the state ha, or 30% of the state has experienced a much above average or 125% and
1: mm-hmm. right. above. Right.
0: You know, that's really sort of the the epicenter of that has been in
1: the higher elevations
0: and Southeast Arizona. Southeast and
1: mention. east, right. That's seen most of the activity. So if you're living there, you're you're probably pretty happy. But if you're in... I don't know, say Yuma. I I don't think Yuma has recorded any precip yet this monsoon season. And it may change. It may change, right? The change again. I don't think your expectations are all that high, anyways. I'm sorry to those folks <laughs> in Yuma right now, but I, quite honestly, right? I mean, you're not looking for 25 inches of rain during the monsoon season. No, so. and no, it's only the middle of July too.
0: Let's look at this week by week and 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 see where we've come. So let's start at more or less the the, the first week of June 14th
1: for Arizona? We start on June 15th. We're following the decree by NOAA that the monsoon season starts on June 15th. And we're we're okay with that.
0: And historically, it doesn't often start until early July. Right. And
1: I think everybody knows the story here that in Arizona, at least, and this is actually um, across the Southwest, a little bit different for different cities. But in Tucson, the dew point definition used to be the way that we would determine the monsoon starting. So we'd have those three magic days of daily average dew points of 54 degrees Fahrenheit, and then you're in the monsoon season. That is really fun and cool to watch statistically, but um, I think it became confusing when we'd have a little bit of rain in the end of June, was it monsoon or not. So the Weather Service moved towards a, a standard definition, not unlike we do with hurricanes, of having standard start dates every year, so at least your awareness picks up. And you start looking for precip. So that's why we're, we're kind of keying in on this June 15th. Right. And so you expect
0: the first couple of weeks of June to be dry.
1: You do. That's climatologically, there's just not much going on between the 15th and the 30th, typically in Arizona. But New Mexico what are you is a little watching? Bit. What am I watching? Yeah, as you're watching the march of this monsoon unfold. This one, or in general? In general, I just go outside and and I look up. I you know, and I, I try to do this in the afternoon. Typically, I don't do it at night much. That kind of stuff. That's I'm sorry. sarcasm. Sorry. We all my love. sarcasm is, is on high today. It's Thursday, right? You should check me on tomorrow. My sarcasm will be be over the top. By about June 15th, you really do start. And we've talked about this, right? You're, you're looking for the dew points to start creeping up. You're starting to look for the buildups on the mountains. Um, but June fifteenth, quite honestly, is often really too early to start really seeing classic, true monsoon kind of activity in Arizona. New Mexico definitely start seeing that activity a little bit earlier, but in Arizona that's a little bit too early. And if you look at the data this month, or actually last month for this monsoon season, that first week of the monsoon season, June fifteenth through like the twenty third, there just wasn't a whole lot going on in Arizona.
0: In Arizona, yeah. New Mexico, New that's Mexico there was, case. yeah,
1: absolutely. New Mexico they were seeing you know rain falling. Even in early June, right through the first two weeks of June, and some kind of precip, actually, if you look at it, for the last 30 days, it's rained somewhere every day in New Mexico. That's not bad.
0: That's pretty impressive. We can't even,
1: I don't think we can claim that in Arizona. I don't think we had quite that scene. We had a, but like the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, no recorded precip in uh, in the state of Arizona.
0: And that's as the the sort of classic four corners high is is marching north.
1: Yeah. And I think at that point, the four corners high was overhead. And so the ridge hadn't quite built far enough north for us to be in anything that was of use to us from a moisture perspective. But New Mexico was in, was in a good enough flow for them to deal with some precipitation, so...
0: Okay, so that takes us through the, the, the first week of the monsoon, June 15th through the 22nd, more or less. And then, yeah. and then we actually started in Arizona to see some uh, early activity.
1: Yeah, because you started to see the monsoon ridge really push far north. And this is when the Pacific Northwest got into some pretty epic heat waves. And the ridge of high pressure was, was building all the way across the western U.S., that put us into that deep easterly flow underneath the ridge. The ridge was, was in the high, the four corners high was in the right position. We were in that deep easterly flow. And you did start to see some more widespread precipitation for that last week of June, first week of July uh, across much of Arizona. And again, New Mexico was doing its thing just about every day, having some precip.
0: The third week then, more or less, uh, the end of, uh, of June into the first week of, of
1: July in Arizona, we had a lot of activity. Yeah. What was driving that? I do think that the subtropical ridge was in the right spot, and we had that deep easterly flow. I believe there was a easterly wave or two that pushed across, and again, that, that's that chance for having organized widespread activity, um, really good instability, good moisture across uh, much of Arizona and New Mexico, and that's what helped push some of that, that really good activity we saw the end of June and early part of July.
0: July 5th was probably, at least in Arizona, the day that experienced the most widespread precipitation. Probably the the majority of the state, if not like 85 know, 90% of the state experienced some some precipitation.
1: Right, and that's actually where some parts of the state have seen just about the only precipitation we've seen this monsoon season. So the far western third of Arizona has been pretty quiet except for that particular week. Mm. And so even, even La Paz County was picking up, you know, in half an inch, to an inch of rain far um, western Yavapai County, which is not the busiest part of the monsoon area or activity. That's You know, we get further west, it's typically drier. Further northwest, not as much monsoon activity. So for them to see that much activity that early was good. But since then, it's been very, very quiet across western AZ.
0: These are broadly characterizations of, of, the monsoon. At my house, I think I've gotten uh, just a few days of, of slight rain. It's really an ex- existential experience. This existential climatology. This is, so, well, this is a it, whole it, subdiscipline it can, we could
1: start, w- start pushing on.
0: You know, an existential index.
1: <laughs> I'm going to check yours on a, a daily basis. If you could get that sort of posted every day, I think people would be interested in seeing how you're doing. It's always either the best or worst monsoon, depending on where you're standing at any given moment. And at our house in, the east side of Tucson, we've had two days of rain since the beginning of the monsoon. And just two days ago, we got half an inch in 15 minutes. So and that was that was the best event. And it was an event that was literally a mile by a mile um, as far as the extent of the precip in east Tucson. So it's as, pretty much as small as they come as far as monsoon storms. But, you know, that's kind of how it goes.
0: So now let's take us up to the last week or the, the most recent week from about July 6th to up to current, current times. So right. We, Beware of
1: the Ides of July. That's what I, I'd say I'm still, I'm starting to dig myself out of this, this monsoon slowdown thing now, that the, I've been, that I've been, um, portending. The classic portending a word. <laughs> I am not I don't know. I'll have to look that what up. To, <laughs> <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> it's, it's probably it not used a, correctly, a made up word. it's possible. Portend? No, portend's a word. Yeah. Yeah. Foreshadow.
0: For, okay. Good. The classic pattern has broken down
1: recently. I think so. Yes. Yes. According to Mike. I'm a classic. The classic pattern, I'm, a, I'm so, a classical guy. So take us, I'm into the classics.
0: So take us through that. I mean, we've been assisted a little bit recently by this tropical, the fourth tropical hurricane, Dolores. Dolores, that, right. That is moving sort of north westward. Yep. Um, uh, slightly south of Cabo. Yep. Actually, probably pretty far south of Cuyahoga. Of, it's pretty far. It's a yeah. couple hundred miles first. So why don't you take us through sort of how we've unfolded in the last week up to Dolores, where we are today?
1: It's been a really, really interesting, you know, if you're into this this kind of global climate stuff, as, as I am. The, um, the pattern across the planet has been dominated by... Not only the Strengthening El Nino. You didn't want me to, I know, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. How could you not say El Nino? We had cards. I have it. I say it during dinner we almost every day. We had cards that we
0: handed out of the words we weren't going to say today, uh, and
1: El I'm Nino sorry. was one of them. I know. All right, so... Uh, all right, I said it. Yeah. I let it out. I, how can I not talk about El Nino at this point in time? Isn't everybody else? Fair I mean, enough. Okay. So, Strengthening El Nino and uh, Madden-Julian Oscillation, right. which is um, not John Madden, but this Madden-Julian Oscillation reached some sort of record strength in the last couple of weeks. And so very, very strong. And again, it was a strong pattern where there's tons of convection in, in the Pacific Ocean and then sinking air subsequently on the other side of the planet. So that, that has been a very dominant. And it, I think it has actually been part of the evolution of the monsoon pattern over the last 30 days. At some, at one point being sort of favorable for the monsoon ridge building um, north use, that was kind of that last week of June, first week of July, mm-hmm. counter to what typically El Nino Normally does, which is weaken the subtropical high right. and sort of move it, move itself. But what's subsequently happened in the last week or so, kind of just past July 5th, we sort of moved into this. What you've seen is, is that convection in the tropical Pacific now start to push and extend from the central Pacific into the eastern Pacific, like we saw, not, not unlike we saw in April and May, and start to influence the circulation pattern much more close to us. And what you typically see is, is you start to see this strengthening and deepening trough of low pressure off the west coast of the U.S., and it really starts to nudge the monsoon ridge out of position to the to the east, <clears throat> to the east, right? And so instead of it that ridge axis being over the western U.S. and sort of building building north of us, Four Corners High in its right spot, the Four Corners High is now not the Four Corners High; it's more of like the Nebraska High right. or the Kansas High. And we now get into more of a southerly or a southeasterly flow, which lo- it actually, it, if you look at the flow pattern right now, it looks like what you see in the end of September, Right. Um, which is, you know, you start to get more in, in this, this flow pattern that is that's less than favorable.
0: And just a, a bit of context and that high is, the position of that high is important because if it, it, it creates sort of clockwise f- flow around, yeah, around yeah, the and
1: high. It's a, we get into subtropical easterly flow, which is a really unique phenomenon for, um, a part of the United States to get into that easterly flow.
0: When it's north of Tucson and around when that high is over the four corners region, we're getting both easterly and southeasterly Yeah, as like, if you just draw a, a clockwise circle around that exactly. high pressure zone, yep. see and the flow. And so when you push that to the East, you enable more westerly flow, more characteristic of September ish uh, winter type yeah. flow.
1: And, it, and it, the interesting thing, and especially over the last couple of days is it puts you on this knife edge of dry air and moist air. And you've and we've seen that. And and some people have been talking about the kind of the battle of dry air and, and moist air. And if you if you've kind of if you've been out in far western Arizona, you've seen nothing, right? You've seen right. no storms, you've seen low dew points, you've seen clear skies. Tucson and Phoenix have been on the edge of that dry and moist air. And for the last couple of days we've won out and we've actually been able to generate some storms and some great spectacular lightning shots. The last couple of days have been on Twitter and on and on social media. Um, because we've been able to hold on to that moist air. But this is not a, a great way to run a monsoon.
0: But in a normal year, and a normal, air quotes around a yeah. year, in a different year, the flow that we have now, the trough that's off the coast of California, would actually have been uh, favorable for dry conditions. Yeah. yeah. So what's different?
1: Well, I, I think that, it, again, it's a knife edge, right? Because um, if the, the trough deepens... A little bit more, we could be into the dry air like the rest of the state, and it can shut things up. And again, if you think about what late September can be like, where it can be, you get these storms, and then it would you have these breaks, and you get these storms, and then it just sort of fizzles out. I mean, we're at the beginning of the monsoon season. We're starting to see this activity, which to me is, it, it's a little bit troubling for the rest of this month, because I think we're going to be in that, and for Arizona, this I don't think really as much of an implication for New Mexico because they're, they're kind of dealing with different moisture sources and probably a little bit more stable on this the situation. But I don't think I answered your question though. I think I totally went off the rails. On no, that was that. good. <laughs> but you started... <laughs> what was to, your question? Again? You were
0: you were talking about El Nino and the influence of El Nino that seems to be creating the, yeah. the classic sort of... Yeah,
1: exactly. And so if you look at, if you kind of go back and just look at the correlations between some of the, the El Nino or the Enso indices and the flow patterns, you see, a, um, and if you look at the 8283 event, or you look at July of 1982, and you look at July of 1997, what was characteristic of those two months in sort of similar strengthening El Nino events is you had this strong trough of low pressure off of the uh, yep. west coast, which again, it puts us into that knife edge of dry air and moist air.
0: You're too referenced points
1: were 82 pulling and out, man. Yeah, 97 98 I, I which are not, the two biggest ones on they record are and I'm, I'm not messing around with the battle cry of 86 like we were doing before <laughs> i it's why not go big or go home at this point i that's just my attitude
0: so Enso seems to be you know even in in the weather timescale seems to be perhaps exerting an influence on this monsoon
1: yeah it, it's leaning on it right now and again does this mean it's going to be a bummer for the rest of the monsoon i don't think so What's a little bit different is is that there's a lot of moisture in the East Pacific too. so that southwesterly flow I think is access to a little bit more plentiful and abundant moisture. So it's not just all this dry air that's typically sticking or sitting out there that we would pull up in the southwest. It's now we've got these sort of wandering there's there's two, uh, there's a hurricane and a tropical storm Dolores and Enrique. yeah, Enrique is yeah, that Enrique's further to the west yeah, further to the west, but there, that's the that area is just a light with plentiful um, precipitable yeah. water to be able to dri- be very up very here.
0: high sea surface temperatures exactly by some I accounts think, record right yeah, record yeah that that's a good segue into talking a little bit about the sort of the raw ingredients of uh, of the monsoon and talk about what's sort of necessary at the local level to create these. You know, sort of widespread, or, or or even the lack of widespread precipitation. But then also, what's sort of necessary and needed from an external forcing yeah. characteristic? Let me just try to break this down for for people, and then we can talk about that in the context of this year. In my mind, there's sort of three main sort of local ingredients that's needed, and and obviously the first one is you have to have moisture present. Yep,
1: yep. It's a key. Uh, the key thing. The key thing. The key thing. And yep.
0: If you don't have moisture present, obviously you're not going to get yep. precipitation. Pack it up. That's right. Then you also have to have Instability within the atmosphere. You have to have the ability of uh, the surface or near surface air to rise. Mm-hmm. So that would be colder conditions aloft than near near the surface, and you get sort of like this hot air balloon effect that can lift this moist surface air upwards, and then the, the, the cool conditions help bring it out.
1: The more moisture at the lower levels of the atmosphere is also a component of increasing that instability.
0: Right. Right. These are interrelated. Yep. And then the third component would be the sort of steering winds. And mm-hmm. why that's important is if, if you have moisture present and you have, you know, some dynamic instability, you can have precipitation form on the mountains. But without the steering winds, usually those storms are confined to the mountaintops. Right. The steering winds then can blow the storms into the valleys and uh, can create more widespread precipitation.
1: Yeah. And that's, that becomes really critical. And we've had past summers here where you've had just soupy socked in moisture and the stuff pops on the mountains and it stays in the mountains you know the, the storm court the storms form into these updrafts and they're not they don't have any shear to sort of separate the updrafts from the downdrafts and they just they go up and they go down and that's the end of it so and the mountains can do really well and the valleys can just watch from a distance
0: that, that, that hasn't necessarily been the case this year though
1: No, it hasn't. We've had some days like that. And again, this is the interesting thing about this monsoon season. It's been very progressive. It hasn't really stuck in any given Mm. pattern for any length of time. And I was watching some of the storms form in Tucson last night. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but um, we had these really um, narrow um, storms that would pop up. And then the anvils would be these long, stringy things that would extend out in front of them. And you know, one of the the things that was a bit problematic for Tucson the last couple of days for afternoon storms is... um, that the the shear profile is the sheer amount is good, meaning that the winds are strong in the upper levels, which again is part of that southwesterly flow. But it's primarily it's mostly unidirectional, so all the wind is going the same direction. So the anvils get blown out ahead of the storms, and it throws a shade out in yeah. front of it, and the storms don't have anywhere to go. So they don't have any they, like it kills the instability that they need to move to the next level. So right. that's like you need. It's like if you think about it, how does it ever rain anywhere in Arizona? With it being you have to have conditions just just right. Yeah, exactly. And and again, I should say that it's only the valleys that really need to have all of these you know perfectly tuned Swiss watch parts fit together to get really great events. The 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 mountains make their own convection because of um, they're always unstable. So. If you want to catch rain in Arizona or New Mexico, you just have to go uphill
0: now they're unstable because just the flow the movement of the
1: atmosphere is being forced upwards It's much, much easier for them to be convectively unstable because they're sticking up in the atmosphere right. and they you know're they're, they're like solar collectors sticking up in the atmosphere, and so they're able to heat up to a level that's much much more unstable given their position in the atmosphere than the lower valleys are. but you
0: also get mechanical uplift like just <clears throat> as like the the wind sort of
1: so, yeah, it's all kind of fits together. Yeah. That that uplift is um, actually driven by the convection. So the the kind of the uphill diurnal flow is actually driven by the convection itself. So okay. it's actually kind of all fits together.
0: So you brought up an, an interesting feedback with the anvil sort of shading, and there's another sort of negative feedback we call something that would would uh, suppress precipitation. That is, if you get precipitation one day and there's a lot of cloud cover, you're going to um, uh, you're going to reduce the the temperature, the heating, the sensible heating yep. of, uh, of the land, yep. which sort of acts as a break onto further convective activity.
1: Yeah, so you can you can get yeah you can get all these really interesting things if and it fits back to your your steering winds or your flow. If the flow is really weak, you can have trouble what we call like resetting the next day. So if you have really big events and it puts down a bunch of cold air in the low levels and and stabilizes everything, and if there's leftover clouds when you wake up in the morning. If you've got really strong flow at mid-levels and upper levels of the atmosphere, you can usually sort of move all of that stuff out. You can reset the boundary layer. You can move those clouds out and clear it out. And you actually saw that yesterday. We had the storms move through in the morning, and it moved through on time. And I I thought, oh, this day's done. It's toast. It's not going to rain again. But there was enough um, flow in the atmosphere that it moved all the clouds out really quickly, the sun came up and it got everything all hot and humid again and was able to reset the atmosphere and storms fired up again in the afternoon. And there you go. And that's also because of the southwesterly flow Mm. and this pretty strong progressive flow in the atmosphere. If you're underneath or close to the monsoon high, the flow is usually weak. So you can run into these situations where you can get a really good day and it can take a day or two for it to reset because there's just not enough of that scouring out. So again, um, that that sort
0: of alludes to the position of that ridge being critical. Yeah, yeah.
1: And And do you remember, like we talked about this a couple summers ago, we had – just like record high humidity yeah i remember we just couldn't get it to rain. the valleys yeah wow, it was
0: torture so okay so those are sort of the local raw raw ingredients of the monsoon those, those those three things the 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 moisture the steering winds and the and the dynamic instability but then there's also these sort of conditioning external influences i'm just going to rattle off four of them here there's the east pacific storm such things as dolores which help drive these gulf surges and and plot more moisture into the region than otherwise would be present Yep. Then you've got ENSO, which we've ta- which we've talked about, which can play out in some interesting ways, and in ways that we're learning about new every single
1: year. Yeah, and and they and they're again, we're we're talking sort of climate phenomenon, climate timescales, but that can that can help sort of modulate the variability of the weather, right. and the weekly kind of daily timescales. Right, and that
0: that's that's the interesting thing here. There's this intersection between these longer timescales uh, and these shorter uh, yeah. weather timescales. Mm-hmm. And then the easterly waves, um, which come in, which is a function of where the, 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 the ridge is. Cause if you have the ridge, let's say in the four corners region. Right. And the Tucson area in southern Arizona, New Mexico is under this sort of easterly flow at that mm-hmm. point. Um, then the easterly waves, which can help bring in colder air and really fuel the uh, dynamic instability. Yeah. Feedback on the sort of local conditions. That's right. Yep. So you've got the the Pacific storms, ENSO, easterly waves, and the position of the ridge, and all of these things like you actually throw together in this, I don't know, in this cauldron of the, yeah, you know, and yeah, and, soup.
1: I think the monsoon soup is as, you, as the, you suggested. I was you know I'm trying to make the analogy to a Swiss watch, but it doesn't look that clean in any given weather map in any given day. Nor nor do the pieces fit together that cleanly as well.
0: Mike, what do you think has been the narrative so far of this uh, of this first month of the monsoon season?
1: I, I think it's been really, really interesting on how changeable um, the monsoon pattern has been. It's like got a, a bunch of flavors. You know, you can think back to, to previous summers, and I feel like it's got pieces of of classic summers in it. You know, both wet and dry, just in the you know the three four weeks that we've had so far. So to me, that's really exciting to see how this thing is going to sort of shake out for the rest of the monsoon season. And I. I'm still holding to you that this monsoon impact it just went away for a couple of weeks based on this sort of reorganization with the global pattern really driven by that MJO event that it's lurking now and this this idea that 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 trough is off the west coast we're into this sort of not great monsoon ridge subtropical ridge pattern right now we're in the southerly flow we're on the knife edge of the of the wet and dry air right now is what I was concerned about. But if you look at the precip coverage the last sort of week, it's been spotty. It's not been washed out. If it's rained at your house, I'm sure you're happy, but it's not this is not like a cranking monsoon pattern by any means right now.
0: And yet we still have I mean we in part fueled by the the projection of the Dolores storm surge this week and we're still gonna be overriding that
1: Exactly. With and it's that's only because there's a there is a tropical storm in the right position right now. So I think what's unusual about this year is if you were in the southwest pattern any other any other year that you didn't have some activity going on in the east Pacific, this would not be good. Uh, this would not be a good way to to kick off a of July. I think we'd be in much drier conditions than we are right now. The reason I'm saying this is is that for the next like the rest of July, what the European Center model is suggesting is that the monsoon ridge is displaced off to the east. We're in this southerly-southwesterly flow. The climate forecasting system model, if you look at it in sort of weekly timescales, and then you look at it out for the rest of August and September, has the same pattern. Um, what that means is the CFS model, that's a dry pattern to it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, except for the weather um, models, once they pick up tropical storm moisture, they bring it into the southwest. So that's there's this battle right now is the pattern is not – ideal from a classical monsoon but this this ongoing tropical activity keeps getting directed in this deep southerly flow into arizona new mexico so the forecasts are still leaning wet for this month right and august and september with this less than ideal monsoon pattern and it's 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 all i think sort of anchored back to having this ongoing tropical storm activity kind of wandering around and getting redirected moisture wise anyways getting redirected up into the southwest so
0: yeah, so that is a perplexing situation, right? Because on the one hand, the, the, the broad-scale atmospheric flow isn't, isn't all that great. And on the other hand, there is this height, heightened activity in the East Pacific. So then the question is, what, what is more sensitive? Not sensitive, but what is more fragile? Which, which, of, those, which of those could... What could break? Yeah, what and, could and
1: it, the, the emergence and the um, track of those tropical storms. Like For this to work out well, um, we need to have like a constant stream of tropical storms wandering up across the southern Gulf of, of Baja and getting in proximity to, to be able to drag that moisture up in here. Otherwise, we could lapse into this where Arizona goes dry um, and even New Mexico going dry with this particular flow pattern. Okay,
0: just given the fact that these tropical storms aren't that frequent, I mean, that to me sounds like a more fragile thing, but also what would what would shift the position of the
1: ridge back westward? The trough off the west coast would have to, to weaken. And then that would be weakened by? Um, I think that some intra-seasonal or subseasonal variability in where the convection is in the East Pacific. The, and again, this is that El Nino, is right. that there's, there's anomalous, there's unusual amounts of thunderstorm activity right. in, um, from the dateline eastward, and that induces a wave pattern this is typically what we talk about during the winter. The fact that this El Nino is so strong so early, rivaling some of these other big events, that there's so much tropical convection, you're starting to see impacts even in the summer. There's slugs of warm water coming over. It's reinforcing convection. The, conve- the convection, which is also related to this MJO, um, Madden-Julian Oscillation event, has moved over to the central East Pacific, which I, I believe is inducing some changes in the in the flow pattern to the northern hemisphere there's still a lot of room for weather variability for the rest right. of the summer and it's the beginning of the monsoon and we know from from previous research that the enso impact is primarily kind of early season right we get into august and july but 82 83 exactly 90, this is 97
0: enough. 98 like we're in rare analog we're in territory. rare territory here yeah rare it's... analog
1: territory so those previous studies were looking at sort of mean patterns of lots of events so when you get out into the outliers things don't... Don't often sort I mean, of work out. This
0: though. does suggest a sort of more frequent uh, um, monitoring of what's going on for us. It, it does, and, and yeah. Reporting and reporting back. And
1: the it. cause, you know, it's like it's you know, this is about attribution right now, which is pretty tough to do from a climate to weather timescale. But I, I, I just have to believe that the El Niño is exerting some influence and it's is connected to the. The, the pattern that we're seeing right now. So
0: we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, how that the position of the Ridge has matured or progressed
1: rather not matured. So invariably me saying all this means that the monsoon Ridge is, is going to scream North and we're going to be in like this, you know, Epic biblical flooding situation right now. So I, this is a public service I provide, which is being sort of a, the pessimist in residence.
0: You were um, in your blue for, pants.
1: I <laughs> My negative pants are, are on again. I'm skeptical about Dolores's um, uh, the weather influence this weekend. I am, I you know, and again, it's it this I I just feel like it's going to be I'm going to wake up on Saturday morning. The dew point's going to be seventy, and it's just going to be overcast. But are you
0: are you skeptical because it's still far enough south that it might not
1: push? No, up I at- think it's going to push plenty of moisture up here, okay. and the moisture is already actually yeah, it's already here. sort of lofted. Um, I just don't I don't so far it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of really good organizing features to for it to to organize the like trigger like some kind of easterly wave or or something to to organize this into a larger scale event, but boy, I've been wrong before. Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah,
0: not. you're mostly wrong. <laughs> at
1: least, <laughs> see, at least there's something I can hang my hat right. on, right? It's
0: it's it's coffee time for me. I think we've probably fair bored, enough. Zach, bored, fair enough. Bored <laughs> enough. of our, uh, our our listeners. So we'll come back in a in a couple of weeks and do it again. And for those who don't know, that voice that was uh, in the in the background is Ben McMahon, who's done a lot of the heavy lifting here the, with the, the yes with the absolutely. podcast. Yep. Uh, including um, editing out all Mike's uh,
1: profanities. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we just would have the bleep button rather than having it edited, so people would would feel my passion in the color and, and <laughs> in my my commentaries. So. But,
0: but but not just the editing the content as well. So Absolutely. just wanted to recognize that. Um, okay, so we'll come back in uh, in two or three weeks and, and do it again. And for those who want more uh, more information on the monsoon and other climate related. Uh, topics. There's a wealth of uh, resources on the Climas website at www.climas. I'll spell it out. C-l-i-m-a-s. Dot Arizona. Dot edu. All right, you ready, Mike? I'm ready. It's game time. Let's do uh, <laughs> time. <question. laughs>
1: <Sorry. laughs>
0: you all ready for this? <laughs>
1: I Do you. a little voice box. Oh, <laughs> <I like that>.
0: <laughs> <Do-re-mi>. <laughs> All right. All right.